0: Welcome to the Beware the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy Grethel, from Beware the Stampede, on this fourth podcast episode entitled, Winner, Winner, Thanksgiving Dinner. And you can follow Beware the Stampede on Twitter at bwr the stampede. And you can also check out our website bewarethestampede.com, where we also have Joe from Believers Talk, who's got some video content for you guys to enjoy. Where you can check out all of the late-breaking Buffalo Bills news and play-by-play that he does as well. And currently, we're also a giveaway for a signed Andre Reed Buffalo Bills jersey. So check that out. Make sure you get your entries in as well as that is going on till December 21st. And if that date sounds familiar, it's because that is the Patriots game. And we're actually going to talk about that a little bit later on. So, with that being said, the first thing I want to do is take a moment to send out some thanks. Since this is a Thanksgiving episode with a little bit more sprinkled in. But I do want to take time to thank a few people individually here who have been incredibly helpful as we get this going and get this podcast off the ground. Uh, Specifically, Nick from the Nick and Nolan Show, the guys over at Blitzed Football and Blitzed Bills, along with Anthony Marino from Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. I specifically want to thank those guys for all the help that they've given me and feedback the past couple weeks. I really appreciate all of that. And if you aren't following those guys, you can check out all their podcasts because they're all part of the Buffalo Rumblings family. And there's also several other podcasts as part of the Buffalo Rumblings family. If you haven't checked those out, please do. Please subscribe. They're definitely worth a listen. I think you'll be happy with the content that they're putting out. Check them out. Give them a follow. Appreciate it. Also want to thank all of you out there for continuing to follow and support Beware the Stampede, however that may be. If it's through the website, Twitter through subscribing to the podcast which hopefully you are all doing while you're listening to this I appreciate it. it gives me the opportunity to do something that I love and I enjoy doing and to continue to share my thoughts and views with fellow Bills Mafia so thank you for that I also want to take the time to quickly thank a couple of my close friends for all their help with getting Beware of the Stampede off the ground it's been about a two-year project I've been working on as far as figuring out the logo everything that goes into it building the website trying to figure out podcast colors you name it they have an instrument and their feedback. So specifically thanks Thomas J, Evan, and Liz. I appreciate you guys for everything that you've helped me out with in the decision making process as well. So thank you. Now let's talk about some football. Thanksgiving's a great time to give thanks. And it was especially a great time to give thanks for the Buffalo Bills, beating the Dallas Cowboys 26 to 15. It was a great game. It gave us the opportunity to watch our team on a special day a primetime day, something that we haven't had in a very long time. It gave the national audience an opportunity to see our beloved Buffalo Bills and how good they actually are. There's been a lot of criticism behind how good they may or may not be this year, and I think this finally quieted a lot of the critics out there when they finally got to see what Josh Allen is capable of doing. If you look at the ratings, it's amazing because... The Dallas Cowboys, as we know, pretty much play every single Thanksgiving. that That's part of the tradition, if you will, of Thanksgiving is the Cowboys being on. I'm not a Cowboys fan myself. I do have a few close friends that are Cowboys fans. Sorry, not sorry to you guys for this past game. But for CBS, it was the most watched Thanksgiving Day game in 27 years. Okay? That's the first one. That sounds great, right? Gets better. It was the most watched regular season game on any network in three years. And the broadcast averaged 32.54 million viewers on Thanksgiving Day. And it was the Buffalo Bills versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Cowboys fans are probably always watching them play. That goes without saying. I mean, if your team's on, you're probably watching them. And since the Cowboys always play on Thanksgiving, it is safe to assume that the majority of people that tuned into that game were either people that really hate the Cowboys, like a lot of people that just watched maybe the Patriots game because they want to see them lose, which I did do tonight. This is actually being re-recorded. Uh, I had this recorded earlier. I was actually editing the episode and then decided with the games being on late tonight, I was going to cut and re-edit everything because I had to watch the Patriots game. My wife was very surprised I was actually recording and watching the Patriots game. I think she was a little worried. I just needed to check out the competition. Glad I did, and we'll get into that later. But, back to the subject. It's safe to assume that most of the fans watching this game or tuning into this game were probably Bills fans, because the Cowboys fans are always going to watch, so the Cowboys ratings should be fairly flat. You're not going to get a big swing one way or the other. You've got to assume that that swing is going to be based on the competition that they're playing, and in this case the Buffalo Bills this year. So it's safe to assume either... There was a huge increase in Dallas Cowboy fans all of a sudden the day of Thanksgiving, and they had to watch the team. Or, Bills Mafia was in full effect and everyone was rolling in droves to watch our team play on Thanksgiving Day, which is my theory, along with a lot of people that were out there that probably wanted to see the Buffalo Bills because we are a small market team. We're not broadcast nationally. This was the first opportunity for a lot of the national media to get a look at the team, see what we've been looking at for this past year. Finally, see Josh Allen, how he's progressed. And man, did they put on a show for everybody? It was impressive. And I don't think anyone that is a Bills fan that watched that game was disappointed. Certainly there were things we could fix. There's things we could work on. There's adjustments to be made, as always. But I think overall, you have to be happy with what happened. You've got to be happy with the result. I mean, we walked away with a 26-15 win in Dallas on Thanksgiving. You know, especially after that first drive where they drove down the field. And then, of course, Jason Winton, being Jason Winton, catches the touchdown pass. And they're up 7 nothing real quick. I'm not going to lie, I was actually a little worried at that point. I was actually very worried, you know. They let Dallas kind of march down the field, and I was concerned that this could turn into a shootout, and I didn't want to get down, I didn't want to go down that road. You know, this is a team, while we played well, and we have played well, I still worry about if it turns into a shootout game, how well we can keep pace. You know, if we get to the point where we've got to start putting up 30, 35 points, I'm not incredibly confident how well we're going to be able to do that. I'm not saying we can't score. and We're not an efficient offense. I think we are. I just worry about if it comes into a shootout, can we keep pace? And I, I don't know. If it turns into a Kansas City type game, I'm not sure we can. You know, that's not always the best thing either. We've seen Kansas City have that offense, and they still do. And that doesn't always mean that you're going to be a top team. Once it comes to the playoffs, that's not necessarily the best attribute to have. And actually, after tonight, I'm going to correct this, because it's now uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, Monday, why I'm actually doing this right now, we have a 96.6% chance to make the playoffs. After everything is said and done today, yesterday, I guess, with all the way the games have played out, we have a 966 chance to make the playoffs. So, the next two weeks are going to be really interesting, because, at least the next week, for the Patriots, because now that they've played the Texans and they've lost, they still have to go play KC. And after watching the Texans game, I'd be really worried if I was the Patriots. I don't like their chances against Kansas City. And I'm not saying that because I'm upset about that. I'm happy about that. I think that's great for the Bills. That puts us in a good position. Because right now, we're game back of the Patriots. And Kansas City is a team that, as we know, can put up points. I mean, certainly against the Texans, they were overmatched. I mean, that was clearly evident watching that game. Tom Brady was really starting to lose his cool, starting to struggle with his emotions. And I get he's a fiery guy. He was having a tough time on that sideline. You get a team, and the teams that they've struggled with are more mobile quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes is not Deshaun Watson. He's still a mobile quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson, but Josh Allen's a mobile quarterback. He's a dual threat quarterback. You know, no matter how you slice it, he's not the fastest quarterback out there, but he can run, which, by the way, if anyone did see the. Patriots game. If you've gone back and watched or you caught the highlights this morning. Whenever you got up, it was amazing to see Tom Brady run. I just want to say that for a second. I know the guy's older, and I'm not saying I'm faster than Tom Brady, but to see him take off running, I, I sort of was watching that game in slow motion for a minute. It was just—it was almost painful for me to watch that. But his longest rushing attempt of the year, 13 yards. Uh, I guess prior to that was two yards. So on that note, though, you got to give credit to their offensive line. Uh, clearly, they do a pretty good job keeping him in the pocket and certainly he's not a speedster. But you can tell mobile dual threat quarterbacks give the Patriots a lot of trouble. And the Patriots had trouble to begin with when we played them the first time. We just threw four interceptions and had a lot of miscues in that game. So it's going to be interesting to see. Patriots are, I honestly think, in some trouble. They're not as good as they, as people think, especially after watching the Houston game. I mean, yeah, they've won 10 games, but they're going to have a tough time against Kansas City. I'm telling you right now. And I would not be surprised to see Kansas City beat New England. Again, talking about Josh Allen, you know, Allen is 11 and four in his last 15 starts. So this guy's not getting the credit he deserves. Against the Cowboys, he had 231 yards, 79% completion, one touchdown pass, and a rushing touchdown with 120.7 rating. Not to mention, and I don't think a lot of people know the statistic, but he has an NFL best streak of two plus touchdowns in eight straight games. And that's also a new franchise record, which is actually really amazing. When you think about that, think about Jim Kelly and the K-Gun offense and how good they were in the 90s that Josh Allen owns that franchise record of eight straight games with two-plus touchdowns. That's amazing. So, way to go, Josh Allen. I mean, that's pretty impressive already. If you also take a look at Josh Allen, the way he plays, he's a gritty guy. And one of the things I really loved is and that shows it is the play that he had the quarterback sneak, and he fumbled the ball in the pile, and he dug into the pile, pulled it out, and grinded out the two yards that he needed. He didn't need two yards, but he managed to get two yards to get the first down. And we've all been concerned, at least I have, and I know this has been discussed about his lack of ball security when he's rushing, but for him to dig into the pile, pull that ball out, and still make the first down was impressive. I mean, that just shows a true drive to succeed. I mean, that's a play where you could just say, Well, I fumbled it, whatever, it's in the pile, I'm done. And and that, and just kind of give up on the play. And he didn't. You know, he knew he made a mistake and he still went after it. Now, you got to be careful. Obviously, in some cases, that's not always the best course of action. You got to make sure you're not getting yourself killed. Um, Certainly, we need him and he's a major piece of our offense and our success. But it's good to know that he can still get in there and scrum when he needs to. You know, Josh Allen's really a great fit for Buffalo. I think Buffalo's a great fit for Josh Allen. He's one of those guys. He went to Wyoming. You know, we all know his backstory. Basically, no college wanted him, recruited him, ended up playing in junior college, went to Wyoming, and he ended up in Buffalo. And there were a lot of criticisms about, you know, his talent, his ability to succeed. But the one thing that no one really talked about was also the intangible of his personality. And that's a big part of it. And if you look at it, and I've talked about this so many times but it's just something that's easy to keep coming back to with him. It's just the way people feed off his energy and the way they buy into him. You look at the game, and when the game ended, if you watched the end of it, and I'm sure everyone did because it was the Bills and we won. So, of course, we want to see every minute we can. But when we got the turkey leg and they're interviewing him and Trey White comes over. And White grabs the turkey leg, takes a bite, runs off, right? When White was running over, you could hear him singing the Bills shout song. And it's something to see when you see these guys having fun and they're really embracing just themselves, their personalities. They're just they're out there having a good time. And I think that goes a long way in the way Josh Allen presents himself. You know, he deflects the attention. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight necessarily. But what... You got to love about this guys how active he is in the community. He's, you know, visiting hospitals. He's always uh, helping out with fundraisers and charities. And you see these guys out in the community, you know, embracing fans, fans embracing them. And it's something that you can really learn to appreciate in a smaller market. And I don't think the bigger media markets and the bigger football towns are lucky enough to have that. And I think that's something really special about Buffalo and about Josh Allen is that we have a different access to him, if you will. It see a different side of him in a lot of ways because it's not as big of a media market and I think he just fits the Buffalo underdog role really well and he loves playing for the city he loves playing for the fans and I really think I truly believe he loves being here and that's that's something special not every player is always thrilled to go to Buffalo but what I am saying is I really think Josh Allen loves it I think he loves the opportunity I think he loves proving people wrong everyone wants to prove people wrong when they say you can't do something and he is it's something fun and exciting to see with him And I think it's just going to continue to get better as it goes. You know, that team loves him. I mean, you look at Cole Beasley, and Cole Beasley even said, I'm not much of a fighter, but I'll follow him into a bar fight any day. Now, granted, I don't want to see Cole Beasley in a bar fight. Uh, I would be worried about that. He's not a big guy. I'm not a big guy either. I'm not really looking for a bar fight either. But, yeah, I'd follow Josh Allen into a bar fight too. A, because he's bigger, and B, because it's Josh Allen. But, you know. Obviously, he's there for his quarterback. He would back him up, and that goes a long way because when you're out there and you're the leader and you're the quarterback and your guys are ready to follow you into something, anything, because they believe in you, that means a lot, and those are the guys that, when their backs are against the wall, they're going to pull out performances that they may never have, and you just raise the whole quality of the team you know Cole Beasley had a great game speaking of Cole Beasley six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown go when you got back to Dallas to show them what you could do Beasley I think has been really under the radar as of late he's actually had five touchdowns in the past seven games I think that's actually gone pretty unnoticed because John Brown gets the majority of the attention and actually what's really cool too is Brown and Beasley both have over 50 catches now in the first 12 games And that hasn't happened with a wide receiver duo in Buffalo history since 2002 when Eric Molds Imperial spriced it. That, again, just goes to show what Josh Allen, what this team is doing this year. You know, we've talked about bringing in some of those complementary pieces to fit the skill set of Josh Allen. You know, going out and getting him those quality receivers that he was lacking last year. You know, Calvin Benjamin and Zay Jones were not the answers for your number one and number two receivers. So they go in and they get Cole Beasley. And they go in and they get John Brown, and now all of a sudden you throw in some extra pieces in there. You go out and you get Devin Singletary. You got Frank Gore. We got rid of Shady McCoy. You know you really retool this whole offense, but you fit it to build around the skill set of what Josh Allen really has, what he's been capable of when he has the right personnel around him. And that's what you have to do. It's not always going in and getting the best players, and I hate that because you will hear critics go out there and say, "Well, you don't have an A plus receiver. You don't have, you know, an A plus whatever defensive lineman." What Whatever whatever position you want to use. But you don't always need that. What you need is the the pieces that are going to make the player that you're trying to focus the offense on around you better. You could have a whole team of A-plus players. But that doesn't mean they're going to fit together. Is Because you have the skills doesn't mean it translates into production. That's the thing. Natural ability is great to have. But it doesn't mean anything if you can't get the results out of it. So you have to figure out what are you looking for. And is it you want the A-plus receiver out there... You know, who's a 10 out of 10, who you can maybe get 12, 13, 14, 1500 yards out of, but is he going to be a problem in the locker room? Is he going to create more issues than he's worth? And is he really going to put up the additional production you're expecting? And there's no guarantee that. Or do you go look for guys that are going to complement the skill set of who you're trying to build your team around? And ultimately, that's what you should be doing. I mean, I'm glad we didn't go after A.J. Green. I mean, for a lot of reasons. One, he's still hurt. But B, I didn't necessarily think we needed to give up a lot of draft capital to get him or cap space. I mean, we've got nine draft picks and $90 million on the table next year. That's a lot of money. You know, we've got some free agents we have to look at signing. You know, we've got guys we can go out and draft. And we've built through the draft. And we've gone and gotten very veteran guys that are quality players we've put ourselves in a good position for success going forward and it just goes to show it's not always about having the, the player with the most talent it's about having the right players and the right fit in the right personality of what your team is and i think that's what this team is starting to find out is what their personality of the team is because every team has it and this team is a gritty team they're a hardworking team they're a buffalo team They are a Buffalo team. They are the epitome of what a Buffalo team is. They work hard. They play hard. They have fun doing it. And you know what? They celebrate those victories together. You don't see this division in the locker rooms. You don't see guys going after each other. You see these guys backing each other up. You see these guys saying they're willing to get into a bar fight for each other. I mean, that's it. That's Buffalo right there. You know? And no one's going to be able to take that away from those guys. And that's going to come in to be a key factor when you get into the playoffs, when you start moving this train along and that's what you need to see. Brian Dayball, keep him in the box forever as far as I'm concerned. He is completely retransformed himself since he's gone to the box and started calling plays. I mean, the double reverse, never saw that coming. Clearly the Cowboys didn't either. But I mean, this is just amazing to me to see the transformation with Dayball and how he's opened up his playbook and all of a sudden, it's just like a whole new world for him. I mean, we've gone from these very, I don't want to say cookie cutter plays, but you know, not really taking your risks or trying anything crazy to a double reverse John Brown quarterback throwing touchdown to Devin Singletary like it's just it's amazing and that was an exciting play I mean I pretty much lost my marbles when I saw that I just that was that was fantastic and it's really awesome to see him utilizing his personnel in all these different ways and you can tell he's becoming more comfortable with himself and the team he's got around him the past couple weeks and it's ever since they had that talk about playing fearless and he's gone up to the box and you've seen this team really reinvent itself offensively and it just becomes more fun to watch week after week it's going to be interesting to see how that continues defense look great i have uh, some criticisms not a ton i mean sacks wise have been doing great the last three games they have had seven four and three sacks ed oliver has just really stepped up lately he was benched four games ago and responded fantastically. got four sacks in the last three games. He even had that strip sack against Dak Prescott, and that was fantastic to see. He's got five sacks, which is the fourth most among rookies, and seventh among defensive backs. So, you know, Oliver's starting to become the first-round pick that we were hoping for. Uh, he's emerging pretty quickly. Cody Ford has done a great job as well. He's really stepped up his game lately. I mean, been quite the force on the offensive line. And that was something I was curious to see how that whole offensive line was going to fill out as far as trying to figure out, you know, what was going to happen, moving guys around, injuries. And they've really fixed that and really gotten, I think, a comfort level with where guys are, what, you know, what they need to be doing. And it's started to show just in the production. You know, Josh Allen has been, for the most part, upright. He did take some hits this past game. He was sacked four times. He was only sacked two times in the previous three games. So they did have a little more problem with the Cowboys and keeping Josh Allen upright. Certainly something that they do need to focus on, but still nonetheless, it was a good performance and that's something they just need to continue to work on. Clearly that was uh, just an outlier game hopefully. A couple things I am worried about. I hate going back to this because I hate hashing this out about Hauschka. I don't know anymore. I thought he had everything figured out. I really did. And I hoped he did because we're paying the guy. We just signed to uh, extension for two years for $8 million at the beginning of the season, because Stephen Hauska traditionally has been a very consistent kicker, except the problem is we offered him this contract, and he's not consistent. He's been having a really, really tough time. What frustrates me with Stephen Hauska is obviously we know the importance of a kicker. For example, let's take the Baltimore game today, yesterday. Sorry, keep forgetting it's like 1 a.m. Baltimore game yesterday, where you got Justin Tucker goes in there and kicks field goal to win the game. That's a guy out there, you know, it's raining, conditions aren't great, and he goes out there and nails a field goal to win it. Hauska right now probably isn't make that kick I'm not confident he does make that kick he has struggled mightily I mean this year alone he's only kicked 71.4% right now this year here's the crazy thing too if you look at statistics because we all know good from Seattle when he was great but since 2015 every year he's regressed at this point he's gone from 93.5% in 2015 to 71.4% in his field goal percentage right now 2015 he was 93.5 2016 he was 892 2017, 87.9 2018, 78.6 This year, 71.4 So the average of the Bills is 80.5 For a kicker that we're paying $4 million a year to I expect that to be a higher number It should be a higher number If you're only making 4 out of 5 kicks As a professional kicker in the NFL Then you shouldn't be in the NFL I'm sorry, you shouldn't be kicking 80% being in the NFL That's not good enough It's not When there's 32 of those spots in the entire world 80% is not good enough because you also have to take into account, coaches aren't having you go out there and boot 70-yard field goals. Like there is some consideration taken when they're going to go out there and send the field goal unit based on your abilities. You know where you're kicking from, how far, weather conditions, etc. So you should be kicking and making the majority of those kicks. It shouldn't be 80%. I mean, if we're in school, that's what I don't know. I'm assuming the school metrics are the same. A B, a B minus. That's what it would be. So yeah, not good enough. And here's the other kicker. His extra point percentage. His declined as well. Every year since he's been with the Bills, which is since 2017. In 2017, hit all his extra points, 100%. 2018, 95.2. 2019, this year, 92.9. So not only is he missing field goals, he's missing extra points. So what does that translate to? A lot of left points on the field. You know, you can't leave points on the table. In the NFL, you can't. You need those points. Uh, certainly at the beginning of the season, we saw that happen with Hauschka where we needed those points. Um, specifically referring to the Browns game where we could have won that game had Hauschka made his kicks. Not only that, you put your defense in a bind because when you're missing that 45-50 yard field goal, now all of a sudden... Your defense is going out there, and there's a lot less room for them to protect. Now all of a sudden they've got an extra 30, 40 yards of offense without having to do anything. So you're not only giving you not only giving them yards, but you're leaving points on the field. So he's gonna have to figure out what he needs to do. He's gotta work on it. I'm not sure the Bills keep him after this year. I don't know what they're gonna do, but I think they really need to start exploring other options at this point. He's not consistent enough. He's on the decline. I mean, we're paying him a decent amount of money for a kicker. I think his contract, 10th highest. or tied for 10th highest in the league for a kicker. For a guy we're getting 80.5% of average production out of. It's not good enough. Not for that kind of money. Not for that type of position. Because there's nowhere else you can make that up. You kick field goals and you kick extra points. That's pretty much it. Other than kicking off the ball. So, Hauschka may be on a very short leash. And team may not be on the roster next year. At this point, I don't see him on the roster next year, but I don't know. The other thing is, I would like to see the rush defense step up a little bit more. I know Ezekiel Elliott's a good running back. I worried because we were giving up a lot of big chunk plays, you know, those 15, 20-yard breakaways, and I hate seeing those. Granted, Ezekiel Elliott's a big guy. But once he gets moving, he's a hard guy to tackle, You know, especially once he breaks into the secondary. So we need to try and limit that um, in those yards after contact when he's first getting into the defensive line. And the linebackers, they've got to shut him down. I suspect if we can't make adjustments to that, I worry about the Ravens game. I especially worry about the Ravens game after seeing them play San Francisco. Lamar Jackson didn't have a whole lot of passing, and in fact, it was an interesting game to watch because you can also see there are vulnerabilities in Baltimore. Baltimore's rush defense, I mean, they got got pretty thrashed, and there's certainly the potential for us to have a good game. If we can really establish a good passing game, stretch that field, and we can get Singletary and Gore the ball and just keep pounding it, we have a chance. I think it's going to be a super tall order. I don't necessarily think we win that game. I want to say we do because I want to believe we are but if I'm being honest with myself here and honest with you guys, that's going to be a tough game to win. They are a really talented team. They are built really well for Lamar Jackson's strengths. And he is just, he's a special guy. He's going to break a thousand yards rushing probably next week. He's a quarterback. It's going to be an interesting game to watch. It's going to be an interesting game to see. The flip side of that coin is if we win that game, if we happen to win that game, that puts us in a fantastic position. Because right now, the way the Patriots are playing, I'm looking forward to week 16. Because they're a vulnerable team. And people are going to say, well, they're 10-2. But if you look at the performance the past couple of weeks on the Patriots, it hasn't been great. They haven't performed as well as you'd expect for a team that's 10-2. and two. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying the Patriots are a bad team. They're 10-2. and two. They've already beaten us once, but what I am saying is I would be nervous if I was the Patriots because clearly there's some issues there, but it's not like they've done a great job recently either. If you watch that game, the Patriots weren't in that game. They weren't. They got outplayed basically the entire game by Houston on every side of the ball. Houston looked great. I was incredibly impressed for how polished that team looked. You know, for all the flack that the Bills have gotten about their schedule, it's not like the it's not like the Patriots have played a tough schedule either. You know, I mean they've what? Played the Lions, okay. They played the Titans, they played the Panthers who weren't very good, the Giants, the Steelers, Dolphins, the Jets, us, the Redskins, the Giants again, Jets, Browns, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and then the Texans. Patriots were out of that game basically the entire time. So While it may have looked better on the final score, that game wasn't close. So with that being said, I feel a lot better about the upcoming games ahead. Baltimore has now taken the lead as the number one overall seed in the AFC. So they would get the bye and the home field advantage. And we are still very much in the hunt to take the AFC East. And I know a lot of people say, well, let's see what happens with the Ravens first. If we lose to the Ravens, I'm in no way going to, again, panic. I'm not going to jump for the lifeboats. I'm not concerned because that's a game that's going to be tough to win anyway. And it's against the number one team in the AFC right now. So if we lose that game, and that's certainly a possibility, I'm not crying over spilled milk there. I'm going to be disappointed if we don't put up a good game. If we go out there and we just play like garbage for whatever reason, and the Bills just can't do anything right for whatever reason, I'm going to be very frustrated. Because they have potential. They certainly can keep themselves in this game. And it's still a winnable game. The hardest part is, and we saw this with San Francisco, is how do you stop Lamar Jackson? And no one's figured that out yet. It's possible to do. It's always possible. But it's just finding the recipe for it. So until somebody does that, it's going to be hard to stop this guy. And maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. Maybe these guys are not going to be the Super Bowl matchup with the Niners again like they talked about tonight. I don't know. Who can say? I don't think it's the Patriots right now. I'll be honest. I don't see it. Might be wrong. But after watching that Houston game tonight, you I wasn't super impressed with the way they played the Cowboys. I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender, and that's fine. I don't want them to be. I'd prefer it be us or anybody else for that matter, quite frankly, than the Patriots, just anybody else. I want it to be us, but if not, please, anybody but them. So with that being said, next podcast will probably be later this week. I'm looking at Wednesday or Thursday. I am going on vacation with my family for a week, so I'm going to try and get a podcast out to you guys when I'm gone. I'm trying to work on the logistics of that. So I'll keep you guys posted as far as that goes. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great week this week. We'll talk again soon. Hopefully everyone enjoyed their hashtag stress-free Sunday because we already won on Thanksgiving and took care of business. You know what? 9-3, and three. we're in the fight very much, especially after Houston took care of the Patriots. So, my hats off to you, Houston. Thank you for that. You've opened up the door for us a little bit more here, and now we just need to continue to take advantage of it. So, in the meantime, until we talk again, go Bills and beware the Stampede.